Our first reading this morning comes to us from the book of Isaiah. Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here am I. If you go away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and the malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose water never fails. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. That is our first reading. Our second reading is from the book of Romans. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. That is our second reading. Sheila had asked the question, did anything inspiring happen to any of us this past week? Of course, I wasn't about to speak up because it's part of my message for today. I seen a post that somebody was posting. They asked the question, is there any church around that we can go to that is not judgmental, that does not judge? Now, during the course of a week, I usually come up with something kind of strikes me that I use for my sermon for the week. I hadn't come across anything yet. Now, this message I seen, I think it was like on Wednesday. So about Friday, I thought, I probably should get something planted in my head. And I had nothing planted yet at the time. So I went to the AFLC website and looked up to see what the readings were for today. And when I opened it up, I almost had heart failure. 
Because remember, the message was, is there any church that we go to that will not judge? And here in Luke 6, it says, do not judge. And you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you see, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look for the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention into the plank that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. That kind of had all kinds of emotions flowing through my mind as I've read that post and all of a sudden it's coming out here that we're supposed to not judge anybody. So I'm thinking, I wonder why the person feels that people are judging. Well, I tell you what, there's a lot of people out there that will judge. Judge based upon appearance. Judge based upon maybe their religion. Judge upon all kinds of stuff. People seem to think that because they are not like themselves, everybody else is not worthy. But clearly it says, do not judge. Now you notice this morning as I read the gospel lesson, I failed to read the first sentence, didn't I? There was a reason for that. Because it really comes down to exactly that in verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Mercy. It feels compassion, providing glints of light in a darkened world. Mercy is about kindness. It's about love. It's about being friendly. It talks about here in the scripture what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to actually love our enemies. And if someone is in need of financial help, you're supposed to give it to them with the expectation not to receive it back. Sometimes we will take that and hold it over other people. I'll loan you 10 bucks, but I expect to get it back. Then they don't pay it back. Hey, you still owe me 10 bucks. You still owe me 10 bucks. Oh, by the way, I still owe the church 10 bucks yet, by the way, Connie. (laughs) We still have to give it to them, but don't expect it back. If you can't afford to give it, then you shouldn't give it in the first place. But don't expect it back when you do give it. If they give it back, if they're honorable, they will give it to you. Mercy is a characteristic of the one true God. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. 
In Lamentations, it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Mercy is God's gift to the repentant heart. In Psalm 86, 5, it says, You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. It comes down to love. We are to love everybody regardless of who they are. Love your friends, love your neighbors, love your enemies. How easy is that to do? I'd probably say on a scale scale one to ten, probably about a two. Because we kind of fail. You know, we love our friends. We love our family. Now, the enemies, uh, those that we don't like or those that might despise us, we have a tendency to maybe play a little bit of judging ourselves. Think about all the sins that we have committed in it. God's mercy and grace upon us forgives us our sins. Throughout Scripture, mercy is listed hundreds of times throughout Scripture about God's mercy. That doesn't even include merciful and mercies, just the word mercy itself listed that many times. In Ephesians it says, But because of his great love for God, for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. There's all kinds of things working in that scripture right there. You're talking about love. Talking about mercy. You're talking about grace. We're talking about God who is supposed to be the forefront of our lives. God is supposed to be the most important thing in our lives, the most important person. And when God is first, nothing else should matter. It shouldn't matter what people think about us. It's what God thinks of us that's really important. There's uh, four examples of mercy that God shows in Scripture that I like to kind of talk a little bit about. First is the Israelites in the desert. In Exodus 16, 3, it says, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. God certainly chose to be merciful to his people. He loved them despite their rebellion, despite their ungratefulness. God's covenant with them was out of his mercy. And then he chose to bless them with what they did not deserve. He says, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight, you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. 
He answered their complaints with food, with water, with protection, with provision. The story of Exodus is repeated many times in the Bible. It's about God's mercy for the Israelites because he loved them and wanted things to be good for them. Another example of mercy is King David. In Psalm 51.1, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. How much love does God have for us? It's unfailing. How much mercy does God have for us? It's unfailing. How much mercy are we supposed to have on other people? On our friends and relatives, it's unfailing. How about those who don't like us? How about our enemies? Is that unfailing? It's tough to do. Why? Because for one thing, we're human. And just as the Israelites were grumbling, and just as King David himself, he was an um, adulterer, he uh, had his, her husband killed in battle on top of it all, and David says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. God showed mercy upon David. The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. Oh, yes. Mercy is something that is so evident in our lives that we need to portray it. We need to example. We need to show it to everybody. Here's a character that really required mercy. How about Paul? In Acts 7, 59 through 8, 1, while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Paul, who was formerly Saul, supported the crusade against Christianity. He was responsible for the deaths of so many Christians. Then he ran into a wall. He ran into Jesus. Saul was struck blind. His blindness towards God suddenly revealed that the light came in and suddenly he's seen Jesus Christ. From that point forward, as his blindness turned into lightness, he went on to survive shipwrecks, jail, beatings, and other calamities while writing letters to encourage the churches he was planting along the way. Romans 1.1 says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. 
And every letter that Paul wrote, it magnified mercy. He experienced it firsthand. Going from Saul to Paul. And he ends up writing a lot of the New Testament. God's mercy shows. Paul showed it in his mercy to other people. It takes all kinds of people throughout the Bible. Here's another one about showing mercy. How about that adulterous woman? In John 8, 6 through 8, it says, Jesus stooped down, wrote in the dust with his finger, and then said, But don't, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Hmm. How many people were there after that comment? How many people were waiting in line to stone her? They fled. Because Jesus had let him who has never sinned throw the first stone. They all realized that they were sinners. And Jesus said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. Now, I think this here next sentence is perhaps the most important of everything. Because it talks about mercy, but really what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to act. He says, neither do I condemn. Go and sin no more. Mercy is forgiveness. It's compassion extended to those who do not deserve it. None of us deserve God's love. None of us deserves God's mercy. None of us deserves God's grace. But God still spreads it upon everybody. And he says, go and sin no more. Turn from your adulterous way. Turn into something better. God is so loving. God is so wonderful. We need to show mercy to everybody. So again, the question I first posed is, when somebody comes to church, do we judge? Can I go to a church that will not judge other people? Do we show mercy? Now there's kind of a difference between Judgment and condoning sin. We are not to condone sin, but we are to show mercy. Our enemies who hate us, we are still to reach out and love them. Show them mercy. When we do that, God will say, your reward will be great and wonderful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, it says in Matthew 5, 7. God have mercy, Lord have mercy, Jesus have mercy upon us and upon you. 
mercy is love and compassion and forgiveness and all the characteristics of God. And when we show mercy, we're, ex we're expressing our love from God that he has given to us. Whenever you possibly can, it says in Proverbs 3.27, do good to those who need it. Everybody needs a sense of love, don't they? Everybody needs a sense of mercy. Everybody needs a sense of compassion. Don't turn your backs upon them. Everybody, there are people out there that are looking. They're looking, they're lost. They're blind. They don't know where to go. Their lives are in shambles. What are they to do? It's up to us to come to them and say, do you know about Jesus Christ? Do you know what he has done for you? Do you know what he's done for me? I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to show you mercy. Because that's what God has done for me. He has shown me mercy. Love fulfills the requirements of God's law. You know, if God loves us, we are to love. If God gives us mercy, we are to have mercy upon others. If God, the Lord's Prayer... And forgive us our trespasses. We're asking God to forgive us as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. We say that all the time in the Lord's Prayer. Every Sunday we say it in church. Maybe throughout the course of the week you might express those words. Do you mean those words? We're asking God to forgive us. Do we forgive those who have sinned against us? God is unfailing love for us. Unfailing mercy, unfailing grace. It's time to put that into practice. It's time to be able to see what's in front of us. It's time to see one another, not as they may appear, but maybe what's in their hearts. Or maybe not what's not in their heart and should be in their heart. We may see what's in their mind. Maybe it needs to be something else in their mind. We need to plant the seeds of Jesus Christ. Because of his unfailing mercy for us. I was somewhat challenged with this particular message for this week. Not really sure where to go with it. Seeing that post about, what church can I go to? That kind of bothered me. What church can I go to that will not judge because of this or because of that? Have the churches become judgmental instead of loving? Are we not supposed to reach out and love? 
The thing that kind of goes into my mind is that it's not for me to judge. God will take care of that for us. There will come a day when we will be face, face to face with God. He will do the ultimate judging. No matter what we say, no matter what we think, if we pass judgment upon somebody else, we can expect judgment to be passed upon us as well. So be careful. If we love, there's nothing to worry about. If we love, everything will be cool. Everything will be great. Everything will be wonderful. If we show mercy, God will show mercy upon us. Isn't God great? Isn't God great? Ah, what? We really need to be enthusiastic about Jesus Christ because he is great, he is awesome, he is wonderful, he has shown his mercy for us. Let us pray. Today, Lord, we pray for your mercy. How you see us for who we are. We're all messed up, but yet you show your mercy upon us. Lord, you're always forgiving us. You're always loving us. We come to you with contrite hearts, praying for the redemptive stature you desire from our hearts and forgiveness for the sins we commit daily. The mistakes we make are endless and forthcoming, making your mercy so important to our joy and hope. Daily, your mercies are new. Daily, we come to you for forgiveness and know that we are still loved, called, and purposed. Thank you for the sacrificial death, Christ, which has opened up for our channel communications through your word and through your prayer and our prayer. Send your spirit to help us understand and embrace your truth. Have mercy upon us, Lord. Enlighten us. Allow the light to chase the shadows of darkness away so we can see how gracious and wonderful you are. Amen. And may the grace of God which surpasses all understanding keep our hearts and minds in the true Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.